Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. We're going to open our Bibles if you have them. We're actually just going to dive in. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture to you just for a moment. Jonah chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, then the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amadi. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. How do you guys like that for a message? But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to their gods for help, and they threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Everybody say the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. So the crew casted lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified that Jonah was the culprit. Why has this awful storm come upon us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What nationality are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship or I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah's response was, throw me into the sea, Jonah said. And it will become calm again. I know that this is a terrible storm, that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, oh, Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. I want to talk to you around this idea today of you can run, but you can't hide. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, as we dive into your word, I pray that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts, quicken our spirits to believe. Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Lord, that is your word is coming from my lips, from your heart. God, would you change our hearts that we would never be the same? Do what only you can do today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Can we give our sound and our worship team a big hand? So good. Well, I, I want to take you back to 1872. 1872, you may not have even thought Pleasanton existed back then, but it did. 
And it was the, the year that the first church was ever birthed in this city. It was birthed by a man by the name of Pastor Breyer. Now, he was a Scottish gentleman who was uh, the superintendent, get this, for Alameda School District. And he was on a business trip, you ready for this, walking from Livermore to Pleasanton. And when he arrived in Pleasanton, they said that this guy, he was a little rough around the edges, always rubbed people kind of the wrong way. And I was like, sounds like a church planter, right? And so he's, he's in Pleasanton, and the Lord speaks to his heart, his heart to plant a church here. Now, you got to get this picture in mind. There was nothing here. The Central Pacific Railroad was just being laid. There was a small little downtown with a couple buildings on Main Street. And they found just this little classroom, this little space to meet as a church. That's where the church, church was birthed. And then later on, they built this building um, which is now belongs to a Baptist church. You can see it. it's right off of First Street, downtown Pleasanton. But it was interesting because as I was going through the records of this church, you can see all of the baptisms, the salvations. And I thought to myself, where did all these people come from? Like, I, I remember being young. I'm, I'm going to be 42 this year. But I remember when I was younger, we would drive through Pleasanton and like you could hunt here. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it was, there was nothing here. There's some industrial stuff when I was younger. But but even prior, I just thought, man, in 1872, what was it like? And God, why would you birth a church where it seems to be desolate, where there's not a whole lot of people? Well, people came from all over, and it was a little pillar of revival that happened in this region. And so I got to thinking, isn't it true that God loves to birth his church? In desolate places. I was thinking that here in the great city of Pleasanton, God said, I want to birth a church there. And I'm excited to say that God is still establishing his church in this great city and in this region. But normally, or a lot of times, God would have us move toward things that we normally wouldn't move toward. When we see desolation and barrenness, God sees fruitfulness. Many times when we see destruction, God has a vision for restoration. When we see emptiness, God sees fullness. And God is still birthing his church today in empty places. God is still birthing his church in places that not just physically, but spiritually seem to be desolate. And many times God knocks on the, the door of our heart, inviting us to partake, inviting us, calling us, to fulfill everything that he has planned for us before the foundations of the world. But how many of you guys know when God is calling you to reach out to, to something or something that is desolate, it can be very easy not to want to do that. Um, I think many times we love to run from empty places. We live in a consumeristic culture, so we love to run to fullness. Um, but a lot of times we don't gravitate towards emptiness. We, we don't like to bear up with the impossible. Many times we would just like to settle for what's normal. And so, so as God is standing at the door of our hearts today, as he's knocking, my question is, are you running? 
Are you running from what God is, is calling you to? See, God is calling all of us to something greater. God is calling all of us, many of us, to step into um, areas where we might be afraid, uh, that might conflict uh, with what we want to do or how we think things should be. Uh, a lot of times when we can't see the outcome, uh, we don't want to answer the door. When God is knocking, we'd rather, you know, stay away, pretend like nobody's home. How many of you guys have some neighbors like that? You try to knock on their door. You know they're home, but they're not answering. But, but Jonah's situation was a little bit different. Now, when we look at the life of Jonah, a lot of times we think about a story in regards to a man and a fish. But really, it's a story about God. It's a story about God's heart for you, God's heart for me, God's heart for his rebellious lost sons and daughters. It's his heart for lost people. And it's very easy to take the story of Jonah as a fairy tale. But can I just tell you, the story of Jonah is very historic. Jesus, Jesus validates Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. We also see in 2 Kings chapter 14 that um, Jonah is validated as a real person. But I think sometimes it's hard for us to believe that could a, a person really live in the belly of a fish? It, it sounds like a fairy tale. But come on, we, we serve the God that created the heavens and the earth. In fact, in the 1800s, off the Falcon Islands, a man was found in the belly of a sperm well after 48 hours and was still alive. So just saying. Um, it's way more possible than you might think. And, and so God was calling Jonah. God was knocking, and Jonah went a-running. But where was he calling Jonah to? And I think if you were in Jonah's context, it might sound a little bit, you might understand a little bit better. Because you got to understand, God was calling Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And these Assyrians, man, they dominated like Rome. Very forceful. They used military power and strength. They conquered most of the known world of their day. They were super brutal. They would brag about skinning people alive. And they thought it would be better if Israel was, didn't exist. And so they were bent on annihilating Israel. And God was saying, Jonah, I want you to go to this barren place, to this empty place, to this place of destruction and proclaim my word. And Jonah was like, no way. See, most, most people would think that's a suicide mission, but Jonah's issue wasn't fear. Matter of fact, I think Jonah gets a bad rap in regards to his life because I think Jonah was the greatest, was one of the greatest men of faith in the Bible. Jonah wasn't running as a result of fear. Jonah was rolling, running away as a result of faith. That he knew who God was. And that if he proclaimed his truth, that these people would experience God's grace, repent, that their hearts would be transformed, and Jonah wanted them to burn. <laughs> like, like, do you have some people in your mind that are like, if they burn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too upset. <laughs> we would never say that because we know it's the wrong answer and it's not polite or nice to say, yeah, I wish you would burn, right? Um, but, but really, Jonah's heart, he wasn't afraid. He knew God, I know if I go, I know you. And you got to imagine for Jonah, I mean, these people brutalized his family, his countrymen, his friends. I was like, you want me to go where? Oh, no. No. Isn't it funny? We don't understand grace many times until we need it. 
You know, there, there was a, a gentleman who was sick, and he was kind of lethargic. His wife thought, thought something was really wrong with him because just he had a lot of different symptoms. So she took him to the doctor, and the doctor examined him, and she's like, what is it, doc? Is it cancer? Is it what's, like, what's wrong with him? They did some blood work. They did all these exams, and finally he said, can I speak to you privately? So, you know, whenever the doctor says that, you're like, oh, no. Uh, so she, she spoke with the doctor. He went out to the car. She said, what's wrong? And the doctor said, ma'am, I, I, I don't really know how to tell you this, but your husband is suffering from a lack of love. She's like, what? He's like, yeah, you, you really need to love him more. Like maybe say nice things to him, encourage him. She's like, wow, only if he deserves it. He's like, man, maybe when he comes home from work, you can give him a hug and a kiss. She's like, oh, are you, are you serious? And he goes on to list some other things that she could do. And so when she gets back to the car, her husband's like, well, honey, what's wrong? What's, what is it? She's like, you're going to die. You're going to die. It's fatal. You're not coming back. But the truth of the matter is this. We just don't understand grace. Jonah said, no way. Jonah said, God, I am not only running away. I'm running far away. I'm going down to Joppa. I'm going to jump on a ship. I'm going to go as far away from your presence as possible as if it were possible. You can't run from the presence of God. And so, so many times God is knocking, we're running, and God is saying, I've called you to barren places. And let me just speak a little bit to this. One of the things I love or that I was so encouraged by, uh, you know, there was, there was some tears last night. We were kind of going through some of the September 11th videos. And, and, um, and as, as we were navigating through some of those, those videos, one of the things that we love so much is that at that moment, politics didn't matter. You have every tribe, every tongue, every nation working together. The racial divides were like, it didn't matter because there, there was a common threat, a common enemy. And I had this thought today. I thought if we could just see that we have a common enemy that is, that is wanting to steal, to kill, and to destroy, oh, my goodness, if we could just catch that reality, especially as the body of Christ, it would cause us to, to live and move and breathe and serve and sacrifice for one another in a way that the world would look at and just be like, what? What is what? And, and I, think, I think God is calling us to barren spaces and to barren places and to empty spaces. I think there's so much tension in our world right now. There's so much tension politically. Uh, there's so much tension when it comes to morality. You know, us in California, we are kind of leading the way in a lot of different things um, when it comes to a, lo- a lot of hot topics. And there's a lot of angst in people's hearts. I talk to them. I hear it. I see I talk to a lot of people. And it doesn't matter what side you're on or what stance you take here or there. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of tension. And my question is, what if God calls you to reach the very people that you feel are thre- a threat to you or, or, or are attacking you? Or are hurting you? What if God calls you to reach those people? Would you run? Because sometimes when we think about reaching people, there's kind of this nostalgic about it. Like, oh, yeah, we want to reach people for Jesus. And, but what, what, if, what if God calls you to reach your enemies? 
Would you say yes to that? I think there's another running today. I think there's another running of it is not popular to live biblically. And even though here in America we do not suffer what we would call persecution compared to the rest of the world. But can I tell you, it is not popular to line up with the scripture. If I quote Isaiah, and and politics is, is having a huge impact on things right now. If I quote a passage out of Isaiah, you probably would say that if I just read the passage, oh, that's Pastor Matt, he's about justice, he must be a liberal. If I read you a passage out of the New Testament in regards to sexuality, in regards to sin, you would say, oh, he must be a Trump supporter. He's a Republican. We have to be so careful that we are okay with living biblically no matter what is said or no matter what happens. Because I'll tell you, the temptation today, the temptation today is to run from that because of the pressure. And there's pressure on so many different levels. And so, so I would encourage you today, listen, if you feel the pressure to live biblically, live biblically. Don't run from God because you're, you're afraid of this or that. Are you guys tracking with me? And even as I, this is, this is how crazy it is. Even as I say that statement, you're making decisions about where I stand. That's how polarizing things are. And I'm just giving you the word of God. And so, so I, I want to encourage you. There's a lot of different types of running. You cannot run from the presence of God. You cannot run away. That is not God's will for your life. And sometimes the people that are giving us the most angst. Remember when, when uh, uh, they were taking Jesus away in the garden? And, and I mean, literally, they felt like their backs were against the wall. The disciples are like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Like, you're taking him away. What did Peter do? Peter's like, oh, heck no. Busted out a sword and cut off the ear. Like, what do you want? Jesus is like, what are you doing? Comes over the guy's ears bleeding. Jesus is like, come here, bro. I know you're taking me away, but let me heal you first, and then you can take me to the cross. And so, so I'm telling you, if Peter can miss it, so can we. And so we have to make sure that we're, we're, we're living biblically, and I'm gonna, I promise you this, the Bible will interrupt your life just like God did for Jonah. It will interrupt your comforts. It will interrupt your norms. It'll interrupt all of those different things. Jonah was like, I do not want to serve those people. I do not want to love and care for them. I want them to burn, God. But the Lord's heart is he wishes that none would perish. And Jonah was so adamant, he ran super far. You guys still love me? All right, let's go. Super far. He, Nineveh was about 550 miles. Jonah was going 2,500 miles away. Jonah was like, I don't know if 1,000 miles is enough, 2,000, I'm going, going 2,500. Whatever I can to get away from the presence of God. I think the spirit of the Antichrist at work in our world today is so popular and is so embraced. We would love to prove the resurrection untrue because if the resurrection is not true, then if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead, it's all false. <laughs> great, great evidence overwhelming evidence for the resurrection, but still, I don't want to accept that. We'd love to rationalize God out of our lives, out of the equation. We don't want truth to be absolute. We're doing all of these different things because if, if God is really for real, then I have to deal with my life. I have to deal with my sin. I have to deal with my decisions. 
I have to deal with my dysfunction. I have to deal with my pain. I have to deal with my hurt. It is so much easier to catch a ship. It is so much easier just to run. Like, oh, man, my life is so much easier. Even though it's really not easier in the long run, it's so much easier to run from truth than to pursue it when things are tough. And so what ends up happening is what? We start looking for a boat. Remember Adam and Eve after they sinned in the garden? What did they do? It says they ran and they, they, hot, they hid. <laughs> like, like God doesn't know. Like we just think that God just really doesn't know. They ran and they hid. And, and the reality is this. If you want to flee from God today, the world has a multiple systems for you to jump on board. In fact, let me, let me say it like this. Satan always has a boat ready for you. There's always, Jonah was like, man, he goes down to Joppa. was like, perfect timing. This is great. Where are you going? Tarshish. Sign me up. And when we're hurt, when we're living rebelliously, when we don't want to deal with our life, when we don't want to deal with our sin, we look for ways to escape reality. Listen, we all have done it. All of us, including your pastor. So none of us get an exemption. We just do it differently. Right? Some people, it just looks really polished but you're still medicating. It doesn't look too bad, but you're still addicted. It, it's, not, it's not really, really a, anything, it's kind of amoral. I'm really not doing anything wrong or right, but I'm binging on Netflix just to try to escape. We hide behind humor. We hide behind the jokes. We hide behind the sarcasm. We hide behind the smile. We justify ourselves religiously and, and use our religious routine to make us feel a little bit better for ourselves. Can I just ask, are you running today? Because you can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. So Jonah, he, he, he buys into this, this false reality that he can escape the presence of God. But, but can I just tell you, there's always in our life, when we think we can escape the presence of God, there's always a but God. There's all, God always intervenes and is trying to get our attention. Jonah chapter one, verse four and five says, but the Lord hurled down, hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Jonah's like, where's the, where's the, like the bottom of the ship? I'm going to that place. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I made it. I'm sure when that ship sailed, Jonah's like, I made it. See you, God, even though I'm on your sea. Even though you're the creator of all things. It's like my kids when they were younger. They'd throw like a blanket over their head and say, hey, Dad, come and find me. Dad, you can't. They really thought I could not see them. And then I pull off the blanket. They're like, how did you know? Daddy's just super smart. Right, God is creator of all things. He's creator of the sea. And can I just tell you this? When we run from God, you ready for this? Running from God will make you seasick. It'll make you seasick. You stop seeing clearly. You start seeing distorted. 
It starts to affect everything. Can I just tell you that sometimes the storms in life are not the wrath of God, but the grace of God drawing us back, trying to get our attention, trying to get us to wake up. But even in the midst of all that, God is pursuing Jonah, yet Jonah refuses to much, to move. Can I just tell you, man, the human will is so powerful. I mean, God is pursuing and Jonah's like, nope. I mean, the poor guys on the ship, they're like, what happened? It was a great day. And now they're throwing their stuff overboard. Like, how messed up is that? Right? And so they're, they're crying out to their God. It's not working. And what is Jonah doing? Jonah is just. I wonder today, ladies and gentlemen, how many sleepwalkers we have. I wonder if we're sleepwalking. I'll never forget that woman's testimony that came from Iran to the United States a couple years back. They were here for about a year. She told her husband, take me back. There's a spiritual lullaby over this place. I'd rather be in persecution than be seduced by this lullaby. I wonder, I wonder if we're sleepwalking. I wonder how many sleepwalkers there are because, listen, there are so many people that are just, they're alive. I mean, they're throwing so many things overboard. They're in distress. They're in a very difficult situation. And how easy it is for us just to go through life and we don't even see it. We, they're like, it just seems so overwhelming sometimes, I think, with everything that's going on. Because we can't respond to everything, we don't respond to anything. And so it just kind of makes us numb a little bit. All these things are happening around us. I remember what Jesus told uh, the Pharisees. He said, man, you guys are great at interpreting the weather. But you're not able to interpret the days and the times that you're living in. And so, so there, there's, there's a world around us that's afraid right now. These guys are terrified. They're crying out to their gods. Hey, you God, maybe this God, maybe that God. It's not working. And so... What do they do? They, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? It's kind of like, hey, everybody is in a panic except this dude. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. You know when a pagan sailor is encouraging you to pray? You're asleep. Pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. He was saying, wake up. We cried out to our gods, they don't work. Isn't that the lie of all lies? Is that something outside of the one true God will satisfy and will work and it never does. But here Jonah, Jonah is seen sick. And he's oblivious to this reality that his sin is affecting everybody around him. I think one of the greatest lies today is I can live my life, I can do my thing, I can do me, and it doesn't matter. Like, let, what do you care the reality is, is our sin and our lives affect other people. And so many times we can be oblivious to that reality. Sin always affects others around us. I mean, this is just this ship. You know how many ships are on the sea? Caught in that storm? Like, think about that for a moment. Yeah, it's terrible. I know, man. It's, it's hor- I get it. At least somebody is paying attention to my sermon. That's a horror. That is, that is a horrible reality. I mean, people are out to sea, and they're probably like, what is going on? Where did this storm come from? Because of one man's sin, so many are caught in a storm. We were having a great day, and then Jonah shows up, and now it's this. 
Storms are not fun. It's Hurricane Ida, you just look at these things. It's, it's so amazing. They look at our fires and they don't trip. Sometimes we look at their floods, we're like, uh. But man, like there's dest- it's destructive. So how do you fall asleep when the wind is blowing like that? How do you just go through life when it's pounding on the ship, when you're going up and down where it's just chaotic? They were saying, wake up. Can't you see? He's like, Jonah, like, what? And they don't even know what's going on, but Jonah's sin is affecting everybody around him. He's saying, wake up. And I think the reality today is that this morning across the world, God is pursuing hearts and minds, and, and God is pursuing people all across the globe. He's not, he's, not, he's not pursuing productions. He's pursuing people's hearts all across the globe right now. Wanting to wake us up to the reality and the beauty of Jesus and the mission that he's called us here to go to desolate places. But, but this is the crazy part. Jonah wakes up, and then he doesn't own it. Isn't that the worst Someone finally wakes up and it's like, yeah, but I don't know. It's a bad storm. <laughs> and it's like sometimes we're that person. Yeah. You ever know when that you know you're the cause of the storm, but you're still way too stubborn to respond? Right. Come on, have we all not been there? Yeah. Where you're like, I know I'm creating havoc. I've shifted the atmosphere here. In this context, in that context, and that I know I'm the issue. But even though I'm awake, I'm still asleep. Even though I'm awake, I'm not going to own anything. So finally, the pagan sailor's like, can you pray? Please. So the crew ends up casting lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. I wonder if Jonah would have just, you know, just said, man, my bad, y'all. It's my fault. Let me, let me repent. Let me catch the next ship back to Joppa and head on to Nineveh. I wonder if God would have just calmed the storm. I wonder if it was as simple as that of Jonah just repenting. But this guy's telling him to pray, and guess what Jonah doesn't do? He doesn't pray. When you're running from God, this one of the greatest tragedies, the enemy would say, no, 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 just stay hid. He can't see you. God's like, Hello. I see you perfectly. So if the storm wasn't enough, they said, well, let's roll dice. Jonah's probably looking like seven or 11, seven or 11, three. Like some of you guys should not know what that means, but you do. Jonah was looking at the dice, hoping that they weren't going to point to him, but obviously the dice pointed to him. They did this. The lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why? Has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Everything was pointing to Jonah. To wake up. So now Jonah is awake. He's awake. And now God said, I'm going to take off the blanket now, Jonah. You know, when God takes off the blanket, it's not to embarrass us. It's not to harm us, but it's to love and restore us. God wants to expose that which he wants to heal. And so, so these guys are like, man, who are you, bro? Like you're sleeping through the biggest storm on the planet. And you're acting super funny. You, all the, the dice are pointing to you, man. 
Like, who are you? So number two, when you're running from God, it creates confusion. You start to lose sight of who you are, what God has called you to. Your judgment gets skewed. Your decisions are, are distorted. You start to be emotionally effective. There's great conflict because what you say you value, you're really not living. And the enemy's like, come on, man, let's, let's sail away. Let's just get away from him. But God takes off the blanket and says, you're the culprit. Who are you? I, I think it's interesting because Jonah has to kind of explain who he is. And look, how, look what he says. He says, I, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. Another translation says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. It's like, Jonah, you have the right words, but I'm confused by the way you're living. Like, you're saying the right things, but if you feared the Lord, how come you're not praying, crying out to him? Like, what, what are you doing? But at the very same time, Jonah is declaring who God is. Now, to these pagan sailors, most likely they were from Phoenicia or Phoenicia, however you want to pronounce it. And, and they would have been Baal worshipers. Baal, a lot of times, was connected to the sky and to the heavens. And so Jonah was saying, no, I've, I follow the one true God. And they're like, okay, so I'm a little bit confused, though. Jonah's a little bit confused because what he's saying is it's right, but his life isn't lining up. But the guys are confused because they're like, man, I hear what you're saying, but I, that's not what I, I, I really see you living. And so, so like, what is, really, what is really happening? Do you really fear and, and worship the Lord? And Jonah explained to them that he was running away from the Lord. So at least he was starting to be honest a little bit, right? He had already told them, hey, I'm running away from the Lord. Why did you do it? They groaned. So imagine this. He says, hey, guys, I'm running away from the Lord. By the way, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship, and I fear the Lord. Huh? What? What are you saying? Oh, why did you do it, they asked. They're confused. Why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they'd asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this is a terrible storm that I have caused. It's my fault. Can I just say one of the tragic moments, can I tell you why Jonah's confused? Because God had not called Jonah to die, but to live. But it sounds beautiful, doesn't it? It's my fault. Just throw me over. I think he was probably felt guilty, but he still didn't repent. Like, you'd rather go in the ocean than just say, God, I'm sorry. That's real. I'm so sorry. Like, I wonder for Judas, Judas, I wonder if Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, like Peter, who denied him, just repented. It's like, no, I'd rather, I'd rather die. And so sometimes I, I think it sounds admirable, like, yeah, just throw me into the sea. But God is not desiring sacrifice. He's desiring obedience. And so, so here, God didn't call Jonah to die. He called Jonah to live. And this is, what, this is what breaks my heart. And I want you to really lean into this. This is what breaks my heart. Is that so many of us right now are, are throwing things overboard. That God's like, that's not my plan for you. Like you're destroying things. And you're losing things. And God is like, that's not my plan for you. And others are losing things. 
that didn't have and don't have to happen. God hadn't called Jonah to die. God had called Jonah to live. God hasn't called you to die. God has called you to live. So listen, rather than throwing and letting all this stuff be destroyed, how about we just deal with God? How about we just say, okay, Lord, let, let's talk. Because I, I think many times, like, like these guys, I mean, bless their heart. Jonah's like, throw me over, it'll be over. They're like, no, man, like, I can't throw you over the ship. I'm going to murder you. So look what they do. The sailors rode even harder. We're just going to try to, maybe God will like us. I'm just going to try because you're a sinful little stubborn little person. But we're just going to row harder and get the ship to land. But look at the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Can I just tell you, there is a world that is religiously exhausted, trying to row themselves to God, trying to appease God, trying to get married, trying to earn points outside of Christ. And we have the answer. Like Jonah, ha- Jonah could have stop rowing. I'm sorry. Like this is how it's done. And so finally, man, I don't blame them. They're like, we got we to do something. Like, we're not making any progress. Jonah said, throw me overboard. I think sometimes when we're dealing with unforgiveness, things are going overboard that don't have to. When we're living in sin, things are going overboard that don't have to. When we're just dealing, when we're not dealing with our dysfunction, things are going overboard. And God's like, just... Talk to me. And a world is in desperate need. Jonah has the answer. And these guys are just rowing, trying to figure it all out. So what do they do? They cried out to the Lord. They said, hey, Lord, listen, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And they threw that bad boy overboard. Can I just tell you this? So this this beautiful reality is that when we're running from God, it doesn't mean that he's running from you. When you and I are running from God, it doesn't mean that he's running from us. It says, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. This is like, God has a sense of humor. They're like, whoa, it worked. And look what they did. They were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So they're having a worship service. Jonah's in the sea. And they're having a worship service on the deck. I'm like, Jonah could have been a part of that. And so now they're like, whoa, we know. Isn't it so true? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Man, shout out to these guys. They're just like, whoa, okay, we get it. We're not going to do Jonah's way. We're going to bow our knee and offer you a sacrifice. And so it said, it said, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three Nights, Jonah is sinking and God is still pursuing. Jonah, finally, finally I got away from you, God. This is it. Nope, a fish. How good is God? What a story of the grace of God. Jonah is sinking into the depths of the ocean. And God said, I'm still there, buddy. I'm still here. You think this is my wrath? It's really my grace. I'm not done with you. I, 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 got, I got something for you. Oh, my slide's not working. 
Bam. Be messing with the computer back there, man. What's going on? No, the fish. Bam. Go back. Bam. So God's like, I, I got you. You can't run from me. You can't hide. You know what blows my mind? Jonah gets swallowed by the fish. And finally, it's like, all right, God, let's talk. Like, why do we have to get into the heart of the sea? Swallowed by a fish in utter darkness to finally just say, fine, let's talk. And it's in that darkness that he comes to his senses. And God speaks to the fish like, you can't, you're not going to be able to digest this one. I've still got purpose for him. I've still called him to live. And so what did God do? God ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the shore. And then guess where Jonah had to go? Nineveh. So I mean, it would have been a whole lot easier if you just listened on the first ask. Oh, a lot of times we take the hard route. But in it all, God is pursuing us. If you are rebellious and stubborn right now, in the heart, proverbially, of the fish, God is pursuing you. Will you have a conversation with him? Will you invite him into that space and trust him? So fish wasn't going to be able to digest this guy's life. And, and I think as we, you know, you can read the rest of the story on your own this week. Amazing story about God's heart for people. God said, man, they're, they're pretty wicked, pretty desolate. Yeah, I want you to go preach to them, Jonah. I want to put my church in empty spaces, empty places, desolate spots. But this story points us to a greater reality. You can imagine the conversation with Jesus and the Father. Like, man, I love them so much. But they're blind. They can't see. They can't see me. So, so amazing. I remember when I first met Jackie, she didn't see me. And I, I tried so hard. And she, like, she liked me, but I had to work really, really hard, right? I was rowing. It's funny, I got exhausted of rowing. I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something else. I was like, Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to this woman. Open her eyes, right? <laughs> and I could just imagine the Father speaking to our Lord, just saying, man, there's only one way that their eyes are going to be able to be open. And you got to go to the place of hostility, the place of desolation, the place of emptiness, and empty yourself. For I'm going to throw you into the storm of my wrath so that their storm could cease. Like, what is the beauty of the gospel? See, Jonah realized there's no refuge from God. There's only refuge in him. But, but our refuge in him is only possible because Jesus was thrown into that greatest storm, the wrath of God. You know how when you sin and you feel guilty? 
Imagine bearing the weight and the guilt and the sin of the world that he took upon himself. He embraced the storm, yet he was not disobedient and rebellious. He willfully embraced the wrath of the Father that our storm and our waters would be calm. That like the sailors, we could look and say, you are really for real. <laughs> Let us offer our life as a living sacrifice and worship and declare that you are the God of heaven. There is no refuge from you. There is only refuge in you. You can run, but you can't hide. Let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you are pursuing us, Lord. Some of us were seen sick. We're just not seeing clearly yet you still call. Some of the storms around us, God, they're not wrath, they're grace. Even though you may not have caused them, Lord, you're using them to get our attention, to wake us up. Lord, you've called us to live, not die, but some of the things you're calling us to, it's tough, it's hard. Contradicts the world's ways. God, I pray that you would help us not to run in confusion, but that we would walk in clarity of the truth of your word courageously, not being moved to the left or to the right, literally. And that, God, our eyes would be fixed upon you. God, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would clear up the confusion. The enemy would love to have us dwell in confusion. Lord, you want us to walk in the light. And I thank you, Lord, that those here today and those listening to my voice online, some, they're in the depths and they think it's it. But today, hear my voice. God has called you to live and not die. So we speak to those dry bones. Lord, I pray that they'd come to their senses. Lord, that they'd have the conversation with you. Lord, that you would restore, expose, pull off the blanket, God. Expose what you want to heal. Do a deep work as they're in the depth, knowing that there's nowhere that they can run from your love, that the hound of heaven is on them, pursuing them this very moment. Lord, I thank you that when we're running from you, it doesn't mean you're running from us. Listen, if you're here today, online or in person, you say, Pastor Matt, I need to go all in. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Some of you need to have conversations with the Lord. I would be bold to say all of us, it'd probably be good to invite the Lord to examine our hearts. But some of you need to surrender everything. Like you just know you've been running. And you know, now you can't hide. God's not trying to expose you to hurt you. God is exposing you because he loves you and wants to restore you and, and cause you to fulfill everything that he has in store and in mind for you. So if that's you online or in person, I'm gonna pray this prayer with you. Nothing magical about the prayer, just between you and God, just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender today. Thank you for dying and absorbing the wrath of God for my sin, taking my place on the cross so that I could have peace, so that I could know you, walk with you, and have you live inside of me by the power of your spirit. 
Fill me, Holy Spirit. I confess my sin. I repent. I'm turning to you today. I surrender. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord and as my Savior. I let go of the reins of lordship over my life, and I submit to you. Lord, put a hunger in my heart for your word. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, help me not to be afraid to go where you've called me, even if it's difficult. Help me to see people through your eyes and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Come on. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.